you having fun? Just staring from across the room. You've got to stretch your stuff, and I'll show you just what to do now. You gotta dance, gotta make your advance, you gotta show you've got guts. I gotta move that'll make them swoop, and it's called the two-step strut. Now dance with me. Coming soon to a theater near you, it's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast for two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Noll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, are you in good form, World Sport? Right-ho. Yes. <laughs> Tip-top. Um, I think it'll be all right. I'm, I, I, was on, uh, I was on Law & Order. And Grace and Frankie. And I talk by in the most blandest voice imaginable. For some reason, I am the narrator of this story. Nick doesn't really have a character. He just is kind of there to tell the story. No. He, it, there's a lot of like moments where it just like, he feels like, should I be in the room right now? I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave right now. Like, <laughs> he, it, or he's just, because he's just a passive observer of like, like. He's barely the thread that holds everything together. I this in this movie, my favorite part was when they all go to the hotel and then Tom and and Gatsby have their big shouting match and they leave and then they come back in and Sam Watterson is just sitting there staring at nothing for a full like minute and goes, Today's my birthday. Yep. And that's it. Nobody says anything and it's never addressed. And I, this is supposed to be some kind of like weighty moment. Like, like maybe you're like, what am I doing? Or like, wow, it's my birthday and I'm sitting here dealing with all your stupid bullshit. I don't, but he just with but the I, most monotone, nothing was today's my birthday. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there was multiple moments like that where, um, when he's like first, like, with the tea party scene earlier in the movie where like, mm-hmm. it's the whole setup of just like, okay, I guess people are coming into my house for this weird, like meet cute that I'm part of, I guess, like who, like, I think like the problem is, is that Nick's character, I'm never sure if he knows what's going on or not, or if he mm-hmm. is like in on it or why he's there or why he continues to do this. Cause he doesn't seem like he's having a good time at all. <laughs> <laughs> he never seems like he's having a good time, even at any of the parties he's at during this movie or anything. It's just good old fashioned politeness, old sport. Yeah, just good old fashioned politeness. Um, but um, yeah, do you feel? Um, and I got this a little bit watching this uh, this one, um, mm-hmm. which we're talking about the nineteen seventy four. Um, Great Gatsby, if we haven't said that yet. Starring <laughs> Robert Redford, Mia Farrow, Sam Waterston, and Bruce Dern. Yeah. It kind of like it has like horror movie vibes for me. Do you feel hmm. that? Um just like Not really, I can kind of see it. I, I think it's because like when I'm listening to um Daisy's character, um, or sorry, Daisy, the character mm-hmm. Daisy, uh talk, like it's just kind of like scary like it's scary ignorant rich person or scary rich person who's lost in their own their own world kind of thing mm-hmm. do you get that like it kind of was that. it kind of was horrifying to me maybe it's just because of the current cultural landscape <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. it, that this movie kind of still rings relevant right like mm-hmm. um 
as far as like the world's rich people live in and um versus the versus the working class right but yeah and i mean this was meant to be like about the american dream like that's Uh supposedly with the green light always unachievable etc etc and like so it makes sense that a lot of the characters are so obscenely wealthy that they're just entirely out of touch with the rest of the world yeah Um, yeah when you get like myrtle's character too who like gets a little bit of rich life and mm -hmm. feels like that they're almost pretending to be right you know too and it's like um i don't know it's just a lot of like horrifying things in this movie that were like maybe just because of current cultural relevance or something but like it is like i think it's it's a little column a little column b especially near to the end it got dark mm-hmm. um but for most of the beginning of the movie i think for me it was supposed to be this like uh lifestyles of the rich and famous or yeah. whatever we're supposed to be bright and cheery to some extent the parties were always a little dark i mean they're at night but also like there was a sort of like darkness to them because of because of why gatsby was throwing the parties yeah yeah um but, but yeah um well, one thing that I found out in my researching uh, that I thought was interesting, because I've always said that this movie was not good. Uh, one reason is because um, I always thought Robert Redford played Gatsby like too aloof, like so aloof. It sounded, it seemed almost like Robert Redford was bad at acting, yeah. which he wasn't. Uh, but one thing I found uh, was that, quote, Mia Farrow writes that the main reason she was unable to create on-screen, on-screen chemistry with co-star Robert Redford was because of Redford's total absorption in the Watergate scandals that were rocking oh Washington, D.C. at the time of filming. Farrow says Redford spent all his free time locked in his trailer watching the political scandal unfold on television. Yeah. When I think about Robert Redford, I definitely think about... Um his political views more than I think about his actual acting. Yeah. I also, this was very much, um, this had the vibe and the feel to me of the sting, which is another Robert Redford film, um, that I very much enjoy. It's set during the great depression. So, uh, but it has a lot of the same kind of vibes as like setting and like the tone, not the tone visually. It reminded me of the sting. I can't really, it's kind of a thing where if you've seen the movie, you would go like, Oh, I think I see what you mean. I can't really describe to you what I mean. So this okay. is probably going to get cut cause it's great audio. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this more the second time when I watched it for this than I did when I saw it in high school, which I mean, shocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause I was forced to read this book in mm-hmm. high school. Um, the book, The Great Gatsby. Uh, and then we watched this movie in high school. And I think I literally, I think I fell asleep. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep in class watching this movie because it is very, it's dull for a lot of it. Um, and is something about Sam Watterson's voice is just like, it's kind of like a lullaby in this. He has a very um, soft voice in this, which like mm-hmm. does, as he reads the, the dialogue, it's or the narration rather, it's very just like calming yeah yeah but but yeah well i generally uh, positive on the movie sounds like maybe you are as well or or yeah i mean i I'm fell so, asleep but. yeah i'm so well in high school i fell asleep um but uh mm-hmm. in high uh, school in high school um but yeah um i'm i'm so so on it um i'm familiar with this story 
Um, so I was just kind of like watching for the beats. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. it kind of played like a horror movie to me at many points. So it kind of was thrilling, a little thrilling. <laughs> Man, I'm surprised you learned other people had opinions on the movie. And I was on my way to the letterbox when I saw through Fallow Earth one green stock. Oh my God. With a juicy red. Are we going back? Daddy's tomato. Take me back, Daddy. Take me back. <laughs> you had to ruin it for me. Our first review comes from Blake C., who gave this four stars. If memory serves me right, I liked it. If it doesn't, then I thought I should have. End of review. Hmm. Hmm. Say that again. Sure. It's like the fucking Sphinx's riddle. If memory serves me right, I liked it. If it doesn't, then I thought I should have. This person's like in like, uh, I don't know. He's taking, he's taking limitless pills or something. (laughs) It's just like, it's so lost in his mind that he doesn't know what to do with himself. He's so meta that he has meted himself into a um, a um, into a riddle that he. he well, uh, our next review comes from Jake M, who gave this four stars. Decent adaptation. Redford is excellent. So many fucking shots of knees, though. In a review. I didn't notice that. Is that true? Did you notice that? I. No, I didn't. I wasn't weirdly. I wasn't paying attention to how many knee shots there were in the photo, but in the photo in the movie. Yeah. When uh, when Coppola wrote the screenplay for Mm -hmm. it, uh, he's just like. Zoom in on the American knees, the American knees. Um, Spoiler. That's the title of my pitch. The American knees. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't notice knees, but maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Or maybe this person who wrote this really likes knees. I was too busy looking at all the boobs. Yeah, I was looking at the elbows, man. It's pointy. Mm. You pervert. I know. Those collarbones. <laughs> there was this gleam in your eye when you said I know. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I did check Letterboxd. Um, a lot of reviews about how much they're sweating. Yes. They are very sweaty uh, in this movie. Um, there's a partic- particularly in the apartment scene with like the yeah. with Myrtle's party with the dog. Like everyone is just like drenched for some reason. Yeah. Do you want me to read some of the letterbox reviews I have, just in case we cut a number of the tomatoes? Uh, sure. Uh, Jules gave it five stars. I'm sorry. Jules gave it four stars. Everyone is so fucking sweaty and gay. I think it would be cool if this movie featured the song "Vroom Vroom" by Charlie XCX. <laughs> I'm going to play a little bit of that right now. It's a great song. Anyway, now that we have these juicy tomatoes, Madison, I was thinking there's a dunk tank that we could go mm-hmm. and pitch these at if you're interested in heading on down. Yeah, let's go. One, two, three. 
Look, it's the cat circus. <laughs> Mike it almost spit take. Mike almost spit take. I had I had a mouthful of coffee and Madison made that ungodly noise and I turned out to spit take and watching me in distress Madison immediately smelling blood in the water leaned into the pit. So I had to take my headphones off. <laughs> What's that? What's that stand over there? Is that a new game? Holy shit. Yes. What you, Madison? You have so turned around your your, your bit output that it used to be your new bits. I would start to dread what was coming, but the carnival of bits, I enjoy it so much. I'm actually excited for a new game. Yeah. So this one um, is sort of a a little bit of a watered down version of the. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an alternate version of um, more like this a little bit, but um, I was inspired. As I was looking, because I initially started doing a ka-ching a ding ding um, mm-hmm. success in cinema assessment of assets for this one. Um, and I couldn't find a lot of information for some movies like like the budgets weren't it on their Wikipedia's and their box office wasn't there either, because I think maybe in the 70s they didn't keep track of that stuff as much um, or they at least did, it didn't get transferred onto the Internet eventually. Um but what I noticed was there's a lot of movies that were released in the 70s and 1974 specifically that were either shared the same name with mm-hmm. some modern movies mm-hmm. or were the original version that were later remade. So does that make sense? So um, this is from. So what this What's game, the game is called? Oh, it's called the same name in vain game. That's really good. The same name in vain game. So what I'm going to do is list. Uh, I have two rounds of this. I couldn't get th- three just because. Um, uh, let me get let me get the theme song clean real quick. You're so vain. You probably think this name is about you. Okay, You're so vain. This is a weird energy this week. I'm ex- it, I'm here for it. it but... I'm, I, I have coffee in me. It's it's it, it's I it's, do too. Yeah. Um, it's cool. Um, so what I'm going to do is list a title, uh, five titles. Um, these are movies that existed back in the seventies, um, mm-hmm. and also exist now were later remade or they were re- redone or something like that. You just got to mm-hmm. find the one that isn't, that wasn't made back then. So I made one of these up. Gotcha. So, okay, so one of these is a f- entirely fake movie that was not remade. Yes. Okay. And, gotcha. Yeah, I'm exactly. With you. Or well, sorry. One of these is the name of an existing movie that was released later, but was not made in the seventies. If that makes sense. Okay, so one of these titles was only made after nineteen seventy. Yes. Or whatever the year. And then I'm trying to find the one that isn't based off a movie made in 1974. Exactly. Specifically okay, 1974. Gotcha. Specifically okay. 1974. I'm with you. I have two rounds of this. So, the five movies. Slither. Hmm. The Wrestler. Okay. Sideways. Okay. The Green Hornet. 
Okay. Wonder Woman. Okay, so I know there was a lot of Green Hornet movies made back in mm-hmm. like the 60s and 70s. Um, so I'm going to take that one off the table. Mostly in my looking for stuff about to do our episode on the Green Hornet, I saw all of these. Uh, I feel like I remember The Wrestler was a remake. I'm kind of angling in on Slither and Sideways. Because Wonder Woman would have had the... Um, that would have been about the Linda Carter era of Wonder Woman. Maybe. I'm feeling Slither. I'm going Slither. Slither? Locking it in, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it was Sideways. Uh, there is a... It happens. Movie like the new movie Slayer is a horror movie, uh, but this movie sure. was something completely different. Like, um, I wait, so was this a remake of that that they just did differently, or is it just so happened they both have the same title? They both have the same title, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. See, okay, I thought it was supposed to be we're sort of like revamp, like, oh, we're kind of basing this off that, but we're gonna make it a horror movie or whatever, not just they had the same title, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the same title. I'm, I apologize if that was that's fine. Yeah, I oh, sorry. I just want an asterisk on the the carnival scoreboard next sure. to this one, for sure. So, um, I have another round of this now that we. Oh, cool. That was a, te- that was a yeah. tester. So. Oh, cool. Um, again, movies in nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. The interview. Hmm. Tristan and Isolde. The land of the lost. The longest yard. Gone in 60 seconds. Interesting. Because I know there's a fast, there's a movie Fast and the Furious from, you know, back then that has nothing to do with this one or this blockbuster franchise. I'm giving you eyebrows. Oh, I know. Land of the Lost was a successful TV show. I have to believe that there was a movie. What were the others? There was Gone in 60 Seconds. The Longest Which, Yard. Okay. The Interview. The Interview. Okay. Uh, Tristan and his old. I'm going to say... I'm going to say The Interview. I'll lock it in. The Interview? Yeah. I'm sorry. It was The Land of the Lost. Oh. It was a trick. Okay. Um, there was... Uh, where I think that those movies were getting released to write about then, but the one in 1974 was called... Return of the Land of the Lost or whatever. Some, yeah, something like that. Like, you know. Right. Son of the Land of the Lost. Yeah. So. Anyway, also, I've just, I've discovered what our sequel to the Will Ferrell Land of the Lost movie is going to be called. Yeah. The, the Return of the Land of the Lost. <laughs> the Son of the Land of the Lost. The Son of the Land of the Lost. I did. One of the movies that I did see was The Son of Dracula. Uh, mm-hmm. That was released in 1974. And I'm just like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'd, I'd want to watch that. What if it's just like Dracula like, Jr. Yeah, like if it's just like, yeah, my dad was Dracula. He did a lot of bad stuff, but you know, I just uh, <laughs> please I Dracula was my father. Please, Dracula is my father. Please come into my. He's it's 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 just a movie about the son of Dracula. Uh-huh. They're trying to have a party in his creepy mansion, trying to convince people to come, and that he's not going to suck their blood. And he's like, no, that was my dad. That my dad did that stuff. It's not me. It's not me. That's not my bag, man. Um. <laughs> Anyway, we're bo- we're bordering close onto the plot of Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> well, speaking of Hotel Transylvania, it is time to move on to my pitch. Yes, let's continue. It. Yeah, yeah, let's start. 
the great gatsby uh this is a situation where my notes ran out uh, i have the beginning and i have like kind of where i want to go and a few like supportive structures there but i'm really going to lean on you here my brain just was pathologically incapable of knitting this one together not a lot of like things to jump off of in either version i mean it's the same story but i have a good idea i think i think the leo one will give especially give you much more to jump off of because it lends itself to wilder takes than this Mm -hmm. one this was a much more like faithful to the book um adaptation baz lorman really went for the opulence and decadence angle which surprising no one from the director of moulin rouge uh but this is the Great Gatsby colon the oldest sport. Oh my god! Uh, so we open on some Nick narration. He's back in New York. He's here on business. He's not like living here. Um, and he's at the New York Stock Exchange for business, and he runs mm-hmm. into this old at his business job who, where he wears his business right. suit. He brings his business briefcase, mm-hmm. and he does his yeah. business. Mm-hmm. He was I like that you baby. added. Yeah, I like that you added. He does his business at the end, famously a, a euphemism for going to the bathroom. Job. Yeah, his business job. Uh, he runs into this old man on the stock exchange and knocks like all these like folders and stuff out of his hands. Um, and he jumps down to help him pick up, and he's realizing that all of these folders have names like James Gale and Jack Gad. Oh my uh, god! This triggers some Gatsby, you know, whatever in his mind, uh, and he rushes off. I. I indulged myself in writing a little bit of Nick exposition and as much F got Fitzgerald as I can. So this is your problem now. I was short with the man, but the ghost of Gatsby had already too long haunted my trip. And I was already late to see the only person in this wretched city I could stomach. Uh, we cut to the hotel dining room where Nick is having lunch with Jordan, the golf star who he probably slept with in the book. <laughs> um, they're at this lunch they're catching up and he's approached by that old man that he knocked over uh who says he's staying there as well and he wants to apologize himself to nick for the running nick uh is like oh no you know it's no problem you don't need to, th- to apologize and the old man kind of distracts him like oh what's well, basically like a oh, over there that's interesting he turns around he turns back it's gatsby uh he was and says i stole the opening to the empty house where sherlock holmes returns uh. this is exactly what happens is Watson accidentally knocks an old man over and the man shows up to sell him some books in his office. And when he turns around, it's Sherlock Holmes in disguise or whatever. Okay. Um, and when he turns back, it's Gatsby. Like I said, I wanted to apologize in person, old sport. Um, oh my God. Gatsby explains how he faked his death. Full stop. Uh, he does. I'm not going to. Uh, he doesn't ask about Daisy. Nick asks if he wants to know about Daisy, and he says, "Oh, I know all about Daisy Old Sport." And Tom, it's all taken care of. Um, oh, shit. They, they're not dead. Uh, oh, okay. They go to leave lunch, and on their way out of the room, Jordan actually leaves and goes into like a different like ballroom area. Um, there is a new candidate for Senate. I can't remember what the name uh, for him. Lessing Priminger. I can't remember where the first name was. Um, but she's like kind of helping with the campaign. It's a pro-am golf tournament, whatever. Okay. Like she's here. Um, we get to my first great metaphor for the movie, which is we focus on a man who's blowing up balloons for the um, the event. Just ever bigger and bigger balloons. The stock market going to burst? I have no idea what you could possibly be talking about. 
I also <laughs> forgot to mention this is June uh, of the year the stock market crashes, completely unrelated. Oh my god. Stock market crashes in October. I have it written here. Uh, October of 1929. This is June of the same year in a complete coincidence. Uh-huh. Uh, I also wrote down the name of oh, Senator Hamish Preminger III. I thought that was a very like TJ Eckelberg esque name. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we got to my pitch. This is where we meet a man named, uh, I didn't write the full name. Sorry, I'm... Gunther. This is, no, I have a name for him. Ah, Langley Bingham, who is played by Harrison Ford, who uh, is like the sort of, he's the kingmaker running the campaign. A lot of money. 1970s Harrison Ford? Oh, yeah, 1970, yeah, like, just a few years, probably Han Solo, peak Han Solo Harrison Ford. Yeah, uh, like, 1970s Harrison Ford outside of Star Wars, I think, is, pro- he's probably the sexiest man who's ever lived Go- during that time. Um, just to verify that he was right for this, I googled Han- or Harrison Ford 1970s, just do it, and Jesus. you'll thank me later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so they meet Langley Sawyer, he's running he's kind of the kingmaker helping that run the campaign he's most of the money behind it he's kind of a gatsby type of just a lot of money he's a little bit more civically minded um and all of that um he invites nick to a party that he's throwing as nick leaves the balloon guy's balloon doesn't explode this is where my notes officially run out. Oh let my me God. tell you what I let me tell you what I have the like in like once I tell you what's in the tank, I think you'll see yeah, why yeah. I'm having some connective tissue issues. We open with Gatsby, and I want him to say at the beginning, he says something about he's like, I thought you died. He goes, Oh, it's the oldest sport or whatever. Um, and and Nick takes that to be like resurrection or some like high Gatsby is out for revenge, which is the oldest sport. Oh. Gatsby causes the Great Depression to ruin the rich upper class. Hell yeah. Now, doing a little bit of research into the start of what started the Great Depression, there's like three things. The two that I've really understood were the stock market yeah. crashing and the gold standard. Yeah. That one was a little bit more difficult to work into a pitch sure. other than just Gatsby is inflating stocks. Mm-hmm. Um I dug deep into the first movie a little bit here. There's a few scenes that I really honed in on. One, where they meet Meyer Wolfsheim. He mentions, oh, you're the bondsman that Gatsby says you need a business connection. Two, there's a bit where he mentions about the little town. He's like, I told him to find a small town. He doesn't know about what a small town is. So I used those two together, and Gatsby has created a bunch of fake personas, and he's been buying up huge amounts of stock under them. He's going to dump them all at once. Got it. So it's not going to be like one guy is running. It's like, oh, all across America, people are dumping all their stocks. And it's going to crash the stock market and ruin the rich. It was like, cool. I wasn't like, I, I thought I could win by being as rich as you. No? Okay, fine. Then we'll bring you down to my level. Yeah. Um, I don't have a, I need to weave in uh, Langley, or Harrison Ford's character. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to do that. I think maybe he originally my idea was he lives like 
Gatsby comes back and it's like, oh, it's me, it's Gatsby again, and starts throwing these parties. And Langley is like the been the guy who's been throwing the parties, and now they like are across the street from each other, trying to out party each other. Okay. Because I I want Gatsby like the movie ends with Gatsby and we see him in this tall tower and he just picks up a phone and you just see him mouth the word sell, and it's like the idea is he's throwing one last party to mm. like like a, a farewell party to I guess economic stability in the yeah, United yeah. States. Okay, but this is where I'm going. So the idea of revenge is the oldest sport. When I say it's sorted, I think he specifically has lured Tom into heavy investments and stuff like that to absolutely mm-hmm. ruin them. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a plan for Daisy and Tom to be in this movie. I'm not against it. I just got to this point of the movie and I had enough half ideas that none of them were congealing into plot. Um, and I couldn't, wasn't being able to make them work in a plot. So I figured I'd bring you what pieces I have and maybe together we could yeah. finish the rest of the movie. I like Harrison Ford being the antagonist, sort of like up and comer sort of guy. Like who's like, maybe he's new, he's new money and he, like he's done, like he's done all the things to like get his wealth and is now like trying to maybe live the life for a little bit, but it's sort mm-hmm. of like the, this is just my initial thoughts, but like, let me, let me, let me know if none of yeah. this drives. Um, but like, you know how in the first one, cause the thing that like, there are just certain scenes that really stuck with me. And I mentioned this one already, but the Myrtle mm-hmm. party where she's like mm-hmm. rich, but fake rich, you know, she's not really right. rich, you know? So like a lot of it is like Harrison Ford trying to copy Gatsby and like his life and like what he was trying to do, like, uh, he knew who Gatsby was maybe and is like, oh no, but I'm doing it right. I'm doing it for real this time. I'm achieving the American dream. And then like Gatsby is teaching that ki- that guy a lesson of just like, this is all fleeting and it's all fake. It's not really grounded on earth or anything like that. Right. I don't dislike Gatsby. Like my issue with the script was, I couldn't tell how big of a character I needed to make Langley Bingham mm-hmm. because he was either the sort of like Jordan Baker or Myrtle of the story, or he was like the Tom. Yeah. And I couldn't decide at one point I told it the idea of that bondsman that Meyer Wolfshine mentioned is Langley Bingham and he works for Gatsby. This is all part of an elaborate con, but then that con never really came into focus. So like, I don't dislike the idea of him being like, I'll just pick, I'll pick up the mantle. Yeah. Like, Oh no, I'll be really rich and have dope ass parties every week. Oh no, that must've been so terrible. But what if, um, and tell me if this doesn't drive, uh, cause, mm-hmm. uh, what if Harrison Ford's character is like, I'm going to do it right. And all of his parties are like fundraisers and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh, I'm raising <laughs> money for like this and this. I'm, using my using my wealth and power to like like get these rich people together to party and then like give it back or whatever um mm-hmm. but um it's like maybe disingenuous or maybe it's like not like like actually this kind of works if we spin it that there's still like the secret is he's using it to like hold court a little bit like yeah um they mentioned in at least one of the movies, because I watched both of them, uh, the Gatsby ones, uh, in prep for this. Um, and one of the, like, where they go to meet Meyer Wolfsheim, they mentioned, like, oh, there's the chief of police over there. And, like, and even Gatsby parties, it was, like, senators and gangsters were rubbing shoulders. Like, 
Bingham's like, or Bingham, I keep doing that. Uh, Langley uh, brings them all together. He's like, see, it's a fundraiser, but really it's like he's making connections and like under the table deals and stuff. Um, so that still adds like the corruption of like nobody's clean. Nobody, no rich people are clean. Um, and then Gatsby shows up. Maybe Gatsby's just like, all right, fine. Yeah, let's party. He's and he's rich guy. He, it's like Bruce Wayne, Batman. But if he was just being Bruce Wayne the entire time, <laughs> you know, like he's he's using his riches to like fuck 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 up uh, Langley's like shit. But um, but yeah, my goal is like the it was uh, Black Tuesday. It was the day the stock market or the rush on the banks and like the kind of accepted beginning of the Great Depression. So this is like the weekend before. Where it's like it'll take you know three days. It'll take like yeah, it'll take three days for the repercussions of me dumping this much stock to mm-hmm. get out. So we're gonna have one last absolute blowout because this is it. This is mm-hmm. last call. Um, I what also if- don't have something for Nick to do. I couldn't decide if Nick was gonna catch on to this and try to solve like a mystery, like the mystery leads him back to Gatsby, um, but. Again, like that's what I said. There was just too many ways that I could tell this that I wasn't really not one version wasn't really kind of becoming clear to me. Maybe it could be kind of a weird thing of just like when he sees him at the beginning, just like, oh, I thought you died. It's like, no, I'm fine. I I didn't, you know, like and Nick in his sort of aloof self or whatever, just like, okay, cool, you know, Um, and then like. Uh, he's like, then maybe Gatsby is like, let's get together sometime, old sport or whatever. And maybe Nick is finding, kind of like you said, what Gatsby is up to and finds out like the clues and like he really, he, he bridges, maybe he's like a lesser part of the movie, but like we do see in his scenes him piecing together what Gatsby is planning, like uh, through maybe he sees like a letter he was writing to someone or like he finds some evidence. And then like Nick has the choice in the end of stopping Gatsby or trying to convince him. And then like, it's sort of like, and then he chooses not to maybe. I want for this, what I'm thinking is Nick and Gatsby are together. Most of the movie. So it'd have to be almost piecemeal and by Osmond, like picking up little bits here, little bits there Mm -hmm. until maybe right at the end, Gatsby's like, I need you to do something for me and like brings him in fully on the plan. Because yeah. what I want is Nick to make this impassioned plea not to do it. It's not even like a rich people don't deserve this. It's like this is the people who are going to be hurt the most mm-hmm. by this wrecking ball you're doing are poor people. Yeah. Like Tom may have invested most of their money, but they're old money. There's always more. Like this is generational wealth. Yeah. And like, so I want him to make the plea for like the common man and Gatsby to be like, oh yeah, like that you've really turned me around old sport. And then that's why at the end of the movie, when we see him on the phone through a window and we just see him mouth the word sell and we know that it didn't work and he doesn't care. Maybe there's like a moment where he like, maybe Gatsby is convinced and then something else happens that sets him like overboard. Right. You know, and like he changes his mind again and it's just like, you know what? Nope. I'm fucking doing it. Like maybe it's something with Daisy or Tom, or maybe it's something with Langley. I, 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 I understand what you're going for. I, for me, the book in the movie tried to make it like Gatsby's actually a pretty good guy and he's not. Mm. And I kind of want this to be the like, absolutely like, 
this almost is disabusing Nick of that. You're worth the whole damn lot of them kind of thing of like, no, he's exactly like all of them. Yeah. Like the, the whole line about how Daisy and Tom break things and hurt people. And then they retreat into their money. Yeah. This is all kind of the same thing of like, no, I'm tripping away that money. There'll be, there'll be consequences for them. And it's like, yeah, but in this great chess game, you're playing to bring them to justice. You're going to ruin mm-hmm everyone yeah like you're going to kill innocent like these people are going to starve to death in the street while tom and daisy like <coughs> end up with a three-bedroom house like yeah. you're not going to ruin them like you think you are you're going to ruin everyone else for you just for your revenge yeah and that's the angle i want to go for with like he tries to convince him and i think we think we think gatsby is like oh of course and like me, he's like, let me go in. I'll go in and I'll tell Wolfsheim that's off or whatever. And that's when we see him. And maybe t- I think Nick sees him through the window and say and sell the stock. Like, I I don't want this to be a happy movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. And that's why I, my, I'm kind of against the idea if Gatsby is convinced and then something else sets him off. I mean, I guess it could be of like the, yeah, of course. And then like Tom and Daisy show up at the party and it's like, oh, fuck, no. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. I kind of want this to just be Gatsby is this. He's going down this road and nothing is going to stop him. He doesn't care anymore. Got it. That's my thought. But yeah, I think it's still not really like middle of the movie where they do stuff. That's what I say. Like, I don't have like a for sure what happens between points A and C. But I think like I, I do like I think we talked about the Langley character. I think. I like the idea of the warring parties or something or mm-hmm. like the or seeing Langley's like view of everything and like how he's moving within the life of these rich people and stuff like that. Like he's he thinks he's doing it right when he's really like causing more. He's just different harm. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it, like I think maybe he convinces himself. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing all these fundraisers and stuff. And these people care. These people care about other people. Don't you see? They're putting their, like, don't you see that they care? But when they're really just using those fundraisers to make other backhanded deals and, like, other corruption, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think that's, like, the middle part of the movie. And maybe, like, maybe Gatsby and him have, like, some sort of, like, I think we talked about a rivalry in, like, the warring parties, but maybe it's more, like, maybe Gatsby do you think he's like a protege sort of thing maybe even I could see that I mean um I hadn't anticipated that idea but I'm not against like he starts kind of trailing Gatsby or or like tailing Mm -hmm. after him as a protege um I don't know like does that serve the movie how does that like serve the story other than just he becomes a protege like does he find out what Gatsby's up to because if, he's got inner circle with like the business. What if, um, and let me know if this is changing too much, um, sure. with what you're doing, but, um, what if Langley is one of Gatsby's plans, right? You know, like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's teaching Langley how to do this right and everything. And he sees Langley as like, oh, maybe there's hope in this. And then when he realizes that he, but he still has this, like, he's going to crash the stock market plan in the background. Like that's one of his other plans. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
But once he realizes like, oh no, Langley is just bringing these people in and then they're making other backhanded deals and there's corruption and everything. That's when Mm -hmm. like Gatsby's like, oh no, like these people will never change, right? You know, these people will never uh, do do anything. And that's kind of what makes him go to his, his stock market crash plan. Let's. I like that idea. I I want to do maybe then, because um, again, like I'm, I'm really kind of not gonna budge on the idea that Gatsby is. This is a, he has removed Base. the brakes from this train. Yeah, like, yeah. From the beginning of the movie till the end of the movie, he is at no point going to not do this. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like the idea though, where he starts like he sees Langley and takes and is like, you know what? Maybe I can like help cushion this guy like okay yeah like you're doing this right you deserve some money or whatever like oh yeah don't invest in stocks or whatever and then as they realize what's going on his parties he's like actually old sport i do have an investment opportunity for you and like kind of like he's trying to keep um, langley out of the stock market so he's not ruined Mm -hmm. and then finds out what's going on and brings him in because i like that idea at least of there is a softer side of Gatsby, like not just like I'm going to burn everyone down with me, period. The, his the cruelty of his plan is that he just it's people Doesn't he'll never care. see or know. And it's like the idea of just him like I'm going to kill everyone I see or whatever is like I don't necessarily need that. I think it's more of the sort of thoughtless cruelty that they talk about Tom and Daisy having. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the first one. So what if because um, I had an idea that Gatsby, and I may retcon in that I said this earlier, um, Gatsby's originally had set this plane in motion to um, like game the stock market for cash. Sure. And then once he was killed, quote unquote, he faked his death, he realized like, oh no, I have the perfect opportunity now. Like this plan I was going to use to make untold riches off the stock market, I can actually use to destroy my enemies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think this is a plan that's been going for a while also, like since the 20s. <laughs> Or the early 20s. But I think I like the idea of, oh, yeah, like you're, you know what, you're like doing something with the money. So don't invest in these stocks and don't do that, whatever. Like he's trying to help cushion that blow so that Langley can continue to do the good work. But yeah. then realizes or comes to realize what's actually going on. Yeah. And then maybe, brings him down too. maybe we establish Langley as like, he's not like a trust fund dude. Like he, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe we said, maybe we said this already. I don't know, but like, he's not a trust fund like guy. He's actually like a guy who made his wealth by working. And like he, 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 he came into wealth. Like he's like new money. Like, I think I said that oh, earlier. Yeah. Pull, right. You I know? mean, we can use him as the pull him up by his bootstraps kind of archetype yeah. since we're digging into like American. Yeah. Tropes that's, and lore and exceptionalism. Thinking. He's the pull them up by his bootstraps kind of billionaire or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, I like the, um, cool. I like that. Um, oh, the balloons do pop at some point, obviously, yes. as per our. There's balloons at one of the parties. Before. I started making a list of, oh, here's during my thought process before I made notes. What are my metaphors? Broken stoplight, a man fixing a jalopy. Make it hotel specific, increasingly broken elevator, symbolizing growing inability of upward mobility. So at Nick's hotel, there is an elevator that that first, like, it just like, oh, it's broken. It doesn't go to the top floor. And the next time, like, oh, sorry, it's broken. You can only go up to the third floor or whatever. And it's increasingly broken elevator to okay. symbolize the growing inequality of upward social and economic mobility in the United States. 
Yeah. Um, if you want a good, uh, just because I'm thinking of like different metaphors or whatever. Sure. Um, when mm-hmm. he um, when he makes the uh, when he makes the call or whatever to sell. What if at like Langley's party he was having like a um, um, a hot air balloon? There's like hot air balloon ride, and then something happens like. And on one of the rides, as he's making the call, like the balloon like falls or something like that, um, and, or it pops or something like that. And um, maybe you see all these rich, you see all these rich people going up in their hot air balloons, and then he makes the call, and then they don't need to pop or anything, but it's just like you know that they're coming down, right? Um, I will say at one point in my notes somewhere in here, I made a note when I wasn't sure how like if Langley and the the campaign were going to be a big part of the movie, the idea of Hamish Preminger, the third running for Senate was have a hot air balloon like in mm. the ballroom that he had like this is like his big set piece or whatever. And it got so big that it hit a chandelier and popped. Uh, I did have the idea of a hot air balloon in this as well. So I think great minds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. And I, I think it has to. I mean, I don't want like to like kill people right at the end of the sure, movie sure, like, sure, right sure. away. But like, I think we have to have these hot air balloons that are just like floating out over the bay, and one of them pops right as Gatsby makes the call. Yeah, yeah, and like they don't need to die. Maybe it just like it falls like, and then they fall mm-hmm. like a number of feet, but they're fine inside. You know, it doesn't we'll, have to be brutal or anything like that. We'll do but. the do the kids cartoon thing of it crashes into the water, and then we see the four people inside of it swim to the surface, so mm-hmm. everybody knows they're fine. Yeah. Um, um, there is a scene that I that came into my mind. Another one. Sure. Um, Absolutely. When you're talking I mean, earlier, we're pretty much done. We've got it. So I think now we're just kind of filling yeah. out fun I, bits. I like the idea that at one at Langley's party after um, after Gatsby makes the call, um, mm-hmm. that he you see these like you see all these business people and these like gangster senators, you know. Um, other other trust fund rich people you know uh mm-hmm. who have all their money invested in stocks and whatnot and all that um you see like one of the people's like assistants comes up with them and like whispers in their ear and then you see like another person you know like come up and you know, another one another one and another one and because it's like the 20s and you know like there aren't phones everywhere right um mm-hmm. you see like all these rich people like at a line like in a line to the phone like trying to like get like call their stock exchange or something or their their accountant like uh, um so there's just like a line of these rich people waiting to anxiously to talk on the phone um i like the idea of um for this i want the kind of the call to be not the end but like nobody knows that this happens like maybe nick sees it through the window but okay. the idea being because it's the 20s it'll take like two or three days before the actual like repercussions are felt and anybody realizes what has happened like because also Gatsby's trying to unload you know hundreds of fake identities worth of stock like the call is mostly just like all right start selling like right now it's not necessarily like all of my stock will be sold this second like it's gonna take a few days I do I don't just like the idea like a little montage of like at some point like people like running to phone booths like in a couple days like monday morning or tuesday or whatever yeah and nick can, can do like a narration about the repercussions or whatever but like i i think we have a gentleman's club like uh the gale club or whatever where people sure. you know leather armchairs and scotch uh guys like these super rich billionaires like fist fighting over the phone like mm-hmm. the telephone because they got it's dumped their stock now and so they're fighting over the phone yeah yeah 
Cool. Um, a question I had was, mm-hmm. um, and sorry if you covered this at the beginning and I just missed yeah, it, but um, Gatsby comes back, right? You know, it's like he didn't actually mm-hmm. die or whatever. Is he still going by the name Gatsby or is he like, does he have a pseudonym or like some sort of I... new, like, like it is, you, you mentioned like all the different names or whatever, but um, do you think I... it is? I think it's Gatsby. I went back and forth on whether mm-hmm. it wouldn't be. There's no reason for him to continue to hide, like to pretend. And I think, especially with the revenge movie that I have like wanted to make, he wants people to know. Okay. Like you couldn't, you tried, but you couldn't kill me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, there doesn't feel like anything is served by him going by a pseudonym, especially considering like in the movie that we've kind of together finished fleshing out, there's not the skullduggery doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he's still alive. It has to do with these other fake personas he's built. So it would just be an extra thing to do mm-hmm. to give him like a pseudonym at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm having him move back into his old house also. So it'd be kind yeah. of like, that's true. Um, uh, but then we see him, um, leave and he go he's going to San Watanejo. Um on a boat to okay. San Watanejo. Sure. Do you know do you get that? No. Oh, okay. That's where um that's where Tim Robbins characters, Andy Dufresne goes at the end uh, of Shawshank okay. Redemption. Um which is also about him creating a fake identity and then like um escaping jail, living as that fake identity and like with his riches out at in San Juananeo. Um, yeah, I think Gatsby just van it like disappears again. Yeah, he van he evaporates like um um like uh, Idris Elba cat and and mm-hmm. in cats and then um Macavity. I do think McGat McGat Gatsby McGat Gavin. You did it. <laughs> you got there. Continue. Um, sorry. No, it's fine. I do think he he ends up framing Langley. For something like some kind of the tax some of the tax fraud or whatever yeah um so he gets away with it and disappears and langley's left holding the, the holding the check yeah i almost said holding the bucket and that's not an expression holding the bucket There's a the, the last shot of the movie is harrison ford holding bucket. a bucket yeah um but anyway that's my movie the great gatsby colon the oldest sport mcgabity McGavity. There you go. McGavity. <laughs> McCavitsy? McCavitsy? Maybe. Maybe that's it. McCavitsby. McCavitsby. Yeah. The great McCavitsby. Get on it, fan art. Get listeners. on it, fan art. Uh, anyway, uh, Mike, ask the question. <laughs> did I do it? You did it. I guess did, did we do it? Austin's. Yeah. I mean... You made the bow. Made- <laughs> I I did it, but we kind of <laughs> we, we we talked it out. Um, I think we got. I think you you had the bones and most of the meat and the and the blood in there. I just helped uh, put some some of the organs on it. Our organs on yeah. it. Anyway, uh, what do you call it again? The Great Gatsby, the oldest sport. The oldest sport. Got because it. revenge is because I re- made there's be like oh resurrection the oldest sport it's whatever blah blah no mm-hmm. revenge is the oldest sport yes cool amazing right. well if if I did it and we eh, that's credits on another episode of the Equalizers Madison Jones tell the people where they can find us. 
People can find us on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers, including in your most gilded candy box that you bought at that antique store that one day because you're like, oh, hey, that'll go in. That'll go nice on my on my side table. It's in there underneath all the mints. You can also get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at the equalizers. Our Gmail is at gmail.com. And our Instagram is the underscore equalizers. And as always, we spell that E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S like in old sport. Special thanks to the Banana Boys for our theme song, Two Step Stratton, off their debut album, Technicolor Girl from Outer Space. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram by searching the Banana Boys. And as always, they spell that B-O-Y-E-S like in. Oh, yes. You can find them on all streaming services now. Madison, I don't have to ask the question because next time... We're going Gats to Gatsby, back to back. That's a fun wordplay I couldn't make work with The Great Gatsby 2013. Yeah, we're doing it. Leo, Leo McGuire. Mulligan. Mulligan. Another guy. Other guy. What's his name? Also, she's in it. Yeah. You know. Debicki. I think all, she plays Jordan. Everybody's favorites. Everybody's yeah. favorites. Um... But yeah, uh, I'm excited. Um, what I got planned is wild. So please tune in next week. <laughs> I will say before we go, I did just recently learn there was a 2001, I'm sorry, 2000 TV movie, The Great Gatsby, Ooh. starring Toby Stevens as Jay Gatsby, Mia Sor- Mira Sorvino as Daisy Buchanan. Oh my God. Paul Rudd as Nick Carraway. Holy shit. So we gotta we gotta watch this. Um, I mean, we could just do a month of Gatsby's. <laughs> we could do a month of Gatsby's. Yeah. Um, do, dare we? Let's talk about it next week. Maybe we do uh, that TV movie and we like we hybrid a, like pitch something like you know, or we yeah. just we riff pitch or something. Yeah, we can riff. That's fine. We'll talk about this next time. Yeah. Uh, so tune in next time for Madison's tr- what can only be sensationally wild sequel to Leonardo DiCaprio's The Great Gatsby. So for the Equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. Today's my birthday. To be continued. Old sport. First take your favorite leg, and then you kick it up to your chest. And then you pump your open palms, and then you really start breaking a sweat. That's all there is, that's really it, you barely even gotta move your butt. Come on, man, now follow my lead, and we'll do the two-step struck. Come on, dance with me.